Welcome to What's Your Tilt, a podcast series where we've invited some of our favorite leaders to share best practices and wisdoms for building a culture where people love to work. Host Pamboni is the founder and CEO of Tilt 365, a tech startup that offers a new kind of personality assessment and development platform that helps people break out of the box of type and grow more agile and generative teams. Tilt won't confine you to a single unchanging type. Instead, it identifies your favorite patterns, then maps out a path to develop your capabilities and character strengths. Today's guest is Fran Barnes-Melvin, an enterprise solutions partner with Tilt 365. Fran and Pam met while Fran was still in her previous role as VP of Market Access at a large pharmaceutical company. She's a client that loved Tilt so much, she became one of their channel partners. Now here's your host, Pam Bolney. We always like to start with a little bit about your background when, you know, when people are listening to you, they kind of want to know where you come from and tell us a little bit about your professional background. Sure. I started my career as a CPA with Deloitte and focused on auditing. I loved auditing. From there, I went to GSK, GlaxoSmithKline. And 27 years later, I've been through two mergers, a joint venture in a lot of commercial roles, ending most recently with 10 years in the role that you mentioned in the introduction, the VP of Market Access. Well, out of all those roles, what was your favorite role? The last role was actually my favorite role. I was the very first employee in the Market Access Home Office team. And we grew to 50 people and we just slayed four product launches in seven years. There really wasn't a lot of time for the ego drama that can happen when you're just so big and the culture really didn't tolerate it. And I thought when I left there, it was like, gosh, how often do you get to build a team from day one to year 10? It's really not that common these days. So that that was my favorite role. It's kind of like a startup within a big company in a way. It uh-huh. absolutely was. We had the mothership right there if we needed anything. And that was the safety net. So we could be powered to move forward. And they let us go. They let us do what we needed to do. It was fantastic. It kind of makes sense knowing what your tilt is. Why don't you tell our audience what your tilt is? Yes, I'm an impact tilter. I am a recovering impact tilter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, you definitely have to explain what you mean by that. (laughs) Well, the, the brilliance of the tilt model is you learn how awesome your tilt is and what value it brings, but you also learn your blind spots and the things you need to work on and what may trigger other people. We call the the impact tilt the change catalyst, and they're really good at driving change. And that's why I say it fits so well with the startup concept where you had your two motivators fulfilled, you know, like your desire to be innovative and different and novel and do new things and also have autonomy. So I could totally see you loving that from the beginning up. I think that's where I met you. Is that right? It is. It absolutely is. So where were you in that role when we first encountered one another? I had been promoted to VP and offered a professional coach. And I didn't realize until much later what a gift that was that I was given to have have someone coach. And I really didn't know, like, what are they going to coach me on? How to do my job? I, I didn't really understand. It just didn't make sense. They gave me choices between different people. And 
there were a couple who talked about turning me into the kind of the quintessential female leader at the company. And I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> and then I met this other coach who came in and was totally different. And she said, I want to find out what makes you tick. I want to learn about you. I want to know what makes you authentic and help you show up that way and appreciate that. And I was like, I want you. And that was you. <laughs> I, was I was like, I wonder if that was some other coach before me. <laughs> no, it was you. It was fantastic. It was, it was perfect and exactly what I needed. Yeah. I, I think coaching should be kind of whatever you want it to be, mm -hmm. right? Like work on whatever you want it to be. It was a delight working with you. I'll never forget it. And we did use Tilt and we did both the True Tilt profile, but also the positive influence predictor too, which if I remember right, you did it at the beginning and then at the end. And I remember being in that meeting and reviewing the change and how, what you had accomplished and how you presented that back to your supervisor. Anything you want to say about that? When I first started working with you, you were just hitting your stride with Tilt. So it was still very fairly new and mm -hmm. you were building a lot of pieces and you were teaching me along the way about it. I started learning, I guess the piece that I liked the most was I started learning those things that I didn't like about myself or that I thought were problems or issues or detractors. I could see how they were really positive things if used in the right way. And it totally changed my opinion of how to think about those things. And it also helped me understand a little bit more and be more comfortable with the things that were not natural, that I didn't, you know, just automatically know how to do or feel comfortable with, I could see, oh, well, of course I can't because that's all the way the opposite of how my brain is wired. So it helped deal with that imposter syndrome thing that I hear so many people talk about. It really helped put things in perspective. And when I did that, it was like, okay, how do I learn more? What else? And then, so we did the positive influence predictor. And the cool thing there is visually you get to see around the tilt dial, just where you think you are, where your um, direct reports think you are, where your colleagues and your boss. And it's very visual to where your deficits are that, and, and where maybe you have some blind spots, right? Yeah. Do you, do you mind giving us a good concrete example of something that helped you in your career that you learned about yourself? I would say it's around the way I communicate. I always describe my brain as a pinball machine. It is going from thing to thing, to thing, to thing, to thing constantly when I'm talking out loud, when I'm thinking everything. And I would send an email to someone on the team or a group of people on the team where I was communicating something or I wanted to get something from the team or I wanted input, I realized now that it was stream of consciousness in that email. And it was not clear what I was asking for, but I would finish the email. I'm like, that's good. Okay. And I'd send it off. Sometimes I wouldn't even read it again. It's pretty sad, but I would just send it off half errors and <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And what exactly am I asking for? And so I would get back nothing or not what I wanted. And I would say, what is the problem? Why aren't they getting it? Why am I not getting what I ask for? And once I started understanding that that pinball machine impact brain was just 
being spit out all over a, an email for people, I realized that I needed to focus on clarity of what I was asking for and what I wanted. And in some cases, I remember one person on the team always talked about bluff, bottom line up front, put the bottom line up front, just say what you need and then give context. And if they need the context, great. If they don't, fine, they've got the the top line. Ah. It really helped to to hone in on on how to communicate. I won't I won't say it's perfect now, but it's it's better than it was. <laughs> yeah, so the so in clarity, focus, and having a little bit of empathy for how others are receiving the message and kind of honing it down for them. Yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> I love it. We had fun working together, and then we came back together again later, and you were interested in hey, I want to do this with more people. Uh, so you took it broad. Tell us tell us about that journey. I got so much out of Tilt. Just the self-awareness piece, if you get nothing else, is critical to really understanding how you're presenting yourself to others or coming across. You get the bonus of thinking about, well, wait a minute, what's going on with this other person and how can I react or interact with this other person? And through the work we did in coaching and with tilt with, with you, I noticed such a difference in how I felt, how I came across my confidence and just being able to get along better with people when we're, we're working together. So I said, I have got to take my team through it. So I started with the direct reports. They did their assessments and it's so hilarious when everybody does their assessments and they get their, their thing back kind of had that uh, same feeling I had when I first read mine. And I'm like, how did it get inside my brain? (laughs) I answered like a few, I put a few things in order and it knows my innermost thoughts, fears, and hopes and dreams. How is this possible? So we experienced that. And then we did the presence workshop where it's really about yourself and self-awareness, how you're showing up. And that workshop, I swear it's so vivid. It's just like we did it last week, not five years ago. And I can see my favorite part is you put everybody in the four corners based on their tilts. Most me and most of my direct reports are all on one side of the room over there with impact and structure, using our gut, striving ahead, go, 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 go. And there was one beautiful, lonely, wonderful person standing over there in clarity. And I remember you stopped and you said, I want you all to look at her. She is saving you from yourselves. (laughs) And it was funny and we laughed, but it was like, well, yeah, that's true. Because if it's not for her, we're off, you know, with 50 different projects and marching in, you know, our different orders. And she's asking questions and digging in and being a little bit of investigator and kind of pulling us back down and going, okay, can we do all of those things? And it, it really helped. And it helped to give us a better understanding of her and her value. But I think the biggest part is it helped her see her value. And that was wonderful. I I still see that that moment today. (laughs) I think that's happened a lot in a lot of our workshops. Actually, you'll see one person in one corner kind of holding down the fort. And as a facilitator, you know, you can't help but go over and say, are you feeling alone? (laughs) And, you know, help others in the room appreciate how this person is probably representing a perspective that, you know, if they're too shy to share is, is going to be tough. 
if they feel drowned out, then, you know, they're not going to be able to share that perspective. And we need the perspectives from all four. Absolutely. Um, so you did a whole lot more. You didn't, you didn't just do tilt light. Like you really went deep. You, you did so many different things. Is there anything you want to tell our audience about how you, you kind of guided me even as your facilitator on what you needed as a leader and, 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 you know, whenever I would pose solutions or whatever, you kind of, you were very uh, clear about what you wanted and what you wanted me to build and design. And, you know, so you had a big hand, I think, in who we are today. Well, I just, it changed my life. It changed the way I worked and the way my whole team worked. And I'm, I'm grateful that we, we had that opportunity. And I love the fact that you are open to fitting things to what we needed. And I'm thinking of one particular time. It was the time I took the whole entire group, including our field team and some of our partners. Uh, I took those folks through, we had about 30 or 40 people in the room and we did the four corner exercise again. And what is the most striking thing that happens in that is I'm looking at impact and we're writing on the flip board. Everybody's got a pen and everybody's writing, you know, upside down and sideways. Then I go over and we're all, that's the impact folks. The structure folks are, it's very neat. It's very ordered. I remember they didn't have a, a title at the top of one of their posters and they took five of the 10 minutes just to figure out how they're going to get the word structure on the top of the form. And then you go over to the clarity folks. And they've got, okay, here's one, 1A, 1A1, and 1A2. And they're much more detailed. And then you get to connection. And it's all about, well, how do I connect these two people together? I think this is what the problem is. And just that experience for all of us certainly made me realize, wow, I've got to get all these different people and these different ways of thinking at the table when we're making critical decisions because we could really miss something in the process. Yes. Do you remember that we did a case study? I think at the one you're speaking of. Yes. A real case study. A real case study. Yeah. Tell it, tell, tell a little bit about that. Oh, we did this real case study. And I remember the, the impact, our impact group said, Oh, it's on, we're at war with this competitor. This is what's happening. And then the structure folks were like, okay, here's what we get. We have to go do this. And then this, and then this, let's do it right now. And Clarity's going, hold on, we need to back up a little bit. We need to think, because I don't think that hypothesis is true. I need to see the data, and then we'll know if that's really happening. And then we get over to connection, and they're like, it's this one guy. This one guy has done this thing. Not a whole company, like the Impact folks said. Again, seeing that was remarkable to understand. We're going to miss something if I've just got a bunch of impacts around the table. (laughs) <laughs> it was so clear, wasn't it? It was like, I remember the one person in connection had built a relationship with this key influencer in your, in your, uh, your own company, I think up there, uh, that was competing with this competitor. And it was something about their performance evaluation or, you know, something like that, where, um, if, if that person didn't have that deep relationship and had kind of that informal, you know, understanding of what was going on, all three of the other groups were wrong about the problem. 
Absolutely. And he was talking about one of our customers and he had this deep understanding about the customer where over an impact, we're like, it's war. Our competitor has just thrown a bomb. It's on. And he's going, no, it's this one guy. I think it's this one guy. Mm -hmm. And we could make a lot of really wrong decisions if we just went on what everybody in impact was thinking. Yeah, that was a big moment. So did everybody, when they began to use the common language of tilt, did they begin to change how they interacted with one another? Yes and no, because if you're not talking about something all the time, if you take a course or a test or, you know, one of these assessments and you put it on the, you go, that was fun. You put it on a shelf. You don't think about it anymore. So I think the the risk is that you could do that. You could still get something out of it and occasionally think about it. But I made sure that didn't happen because I had gotten so much out of it over the time we worked together that I made sure to use that common language often. I used it in meetings by saying, oh, that's a good clarity question. I like that. Or, okay, that's, I can see we need structure here. So let's hear, you know, what you're thinking of the process. And then I would use it in one-on-ones. If someone was saying, you know, someone like outside the group, they were chat being, having a challenge with, we would kind of think about, well, what's your tilt? You know, where here's how you're probably thinking. And we kind of map out what we thought they were and work through it. And then also used it in coaching sessions, you know, when development sessions, it was just a, an everyday normal thing. You could hardly ever get out of a conversation or a meeting that I didn't mention tilt. And it became a, a way of life, just part of our fabric. Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing, Fran, is that leadership matters. And the fact that you felt it made such a difference for you and you adopted the language, um, then it probably became clear to everyone, like, we're all, we're all speaking a new language here. So I, I appreciate the effort, you know, from a leader making that happen. That's one of the things I like about Tilt so much is it's so intuitive and easy to understand, easy to remember. The, the, the words say exactly what it is. It makes sense. And I've done other assessments where I understood it at the moment, but I couldn't tell you now what that meant. I love all of them. I think I learned yeah. something about myself from all of them. And, you know, I remember, I, I love strengths finders. I've done that. I know I can remember three or four of my strengths. I, I seem to always forget one of them. I remember being in a meeting with an employee and that employee slid over their, their five strengths and said, this is how, you know, people have to work with me. That's not necessarily that, but this is how people should understand me. This is how I think and how I tick. And I was like, okay, that's great. I have five strengths too. And I kind of overlap with a couple of these, but not, I'm not real sure how I'm supposed to work with you based on these strengths or my strength. It just didn't, it didn't compute. It didn't make sense. And that's where tilt was very different and made so much sense on how we can work together better. If we get out of our own head and think about coming at it in the way someone else may need it to, to come to them. Yeah, I'm a lot like you that I'm a geek of assessments in general. I love them all. Like there's, I think there's only one or two that I don't care for. So really what I did is, uh, you know, work, borrow from the back of beautiful, you know, people that contributed to the personality space for years and try to turn it into a system 
that you could visually understand where you fit in to a business, you know, a whole person business uh, framework, a whole strategy um, framework. And that way, hopefully, if you remember it, you can apply it more. Um, so I'm happy to hear that. That's ha- what have I was you ever about. have you ever done the what kind of dog am I? No. <laughs> One but I'm managers, sure that'd be fun too. <laughs> one of our man, one of my managers had his team do that, and we people who know me will probably guess it before I say it. But spoiler alert: I was Jack Russell Terrier. <laughs> <laughs> why, why does that not surprise me? <laughs> this will be shocking to no one who knows me. <laughs> All assessments are great. They're, they're, you know, we love working with other assessments, you know, when, when companies want to use StrengthsFinder, for example, or Standout or, you know, some of those others, um, even uh, DISC kind of lines up very nicely with Tilt, Tilt kind of takes DISC to the next level and, and helps you to realize how you can grow beyond your, your preference patterns. Um, any, any other benefits that you can think of that kind of came out of some of the work that we did uh, that I might not even know about? I would say that it's also like the little things. I mean, a big thing, communicating and sending an email that people can understand and know what to do or being able to get your point across in a meeting and being able to be self-deprecating about your own tilt and, and everything so that people feel it's safe. That's also, that's important, but they're, they're little things. And I was thinking of some of the things that happen that I would characterize as a little thing, but when you do them over time, they add up and and can be something that makes somebody's job more enjoyable. And I remember being in a, in a meeting room with one of my wonderful clarity colleagues, and we were going over slides for a presentation that he was giving. And when I looked up at the slide, I said, Oh, well, let's change this thing to whatever. And he says, okay. And he's clarity. He writes it down on a piece of paper and I'm impact. And I'm like, well, it's right there. Just go ahead and change it. And I saw his face just kind of freeze. And because I understood the background with clarity and with impact, I knew immediately, oh, he wants to be very thoughtful of how he makes the change and does it need to be on another slide? Does it change anything else within the the context? And he needs a minute to do that without people sitting there watching him. Mm. And where I would go, oh, let me change it right now and I'll have to go back to it later. And because I understood that clarity in that split second, when I saw his face, I could say, oh, you know what? Just write it down. You can change it later, it's fine. And those little things make people be more comfortable in their skin and how their brain is wired without having to change things for the person that is their boss sitting there. Yes. So it's like respecting another person by understanding them better and not doing the whole be like me thing. You know, you don't have to be like me. Exactly. Um, hmm, That's really good. So I'm dying to ask you, um, you've been interacting with Tilt for, I don't know, probably eight or nine years. Has your Tilt changed at all? Yes. It's, it's interesting because when I first, very, very first started working with you, it was a structure tilt. And when I read it, I was like, "Eh, maybe, um, I see a lot of things in there, but I was 
being forced to be that structure tilt in the job because it was so few in the group. I was having to do a lot of things that required process and detail and, and all of that. And previous roles had required some of that as well. Then when I moved into um, the, the VP position, I had a broader team with, with just amazing skills, all smarter than me, was fantastic, always hire smarter than you. That's one piece of advice. <laughs> um, it put me in a place where I'm like, this is my sweet spot. This is where I belong. This is home. Impact is it. It makes perfect sense now. And then right when I was about to leave the company, probably six months before I was going to leave, I was tilting hard into connection because I built such a family and, and, and relationships with these people over, you know, 10 years with some of them, 27 years with, with others. And I wanted to make sure we, we stayed connected and I wanted to set them up for success. And I had them do one of those, uh, uh, positive influence predictors right when I left and it all shifted to connection. It was, I said, I knew it. I knew I was doing that. So you were intentionally shifting your tilt to connection because you knew that that was right for the context. Absolutely. Um, and the feedback indicated your current tilt was connection. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I love it because that's what we hope can happen. Right. And it's no surprise too that the two tilts, the other two tilts that you would be comfortable with are structure and connection because they're right next to impact. Um, but that clarity tilt, it sounds like you probably haven't inhabited that one, but it's the, the, that's what we call our polar tilt, which is the opposite. That's always the tough one. Uh, but it, the, the essential nature of course, is to learn to appreciate that that's your friend, you know, like that is gonna, it might drive you crazy sometimes, but it's also the most important one to learn to appreciate. It really is. Um, that's one of the things that whenever just about anyone does tilt, the first thing they say is, I want to get my spouse to do this or my partner yes. or my friend or my coworker because I've just got to know it's going to explain so many things. But just having my husband do tilt, his structure was eye-opening. And it it made me say, okay. Now I know we keep having this recurring irritation on something. Like I would say, I, I, I'm going to go run some errands. I'm going to stop at the grocery store and at Lowe's Hardware. Do you want to go? And he would say, yes. So we get in the car and we make one of the stops. And then I'd say, oh, you know what? We're here. I'm going to run over to Bed Bath & Beyond. And then maybe I'll stop at the, the drugstore at CVS. And he would say, what? No, you said two things two things and that's it. Now you've got these other things. And I say, well, we're here. We're, do I have to drive you home? You know, I'm out here in the middle of the, the other side of the city. I got to drive you home because I got two extra things to do. And when I read his tilt and we talked about it, it was so clear. I'm like, he's not being impossible. He's saying, I have put in my mind that I have this amount of time that I'm going to devote to this. And then when we get back, I can do these other things. And I'm interrupting that by just adding on things while we're out that I didn't think about beforehand. <laughs> Improvising with a planner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it just, it just made those little irritations. It just made it easier to go, okay, I see what's, hap what's happening here. He's not being difficult and I'm not being erratic. It's how our brain works. <laughs> 
So I hope he read yours too. He did. <laughs> okay. So I, the thing I want to ask next, I think is that you ended up leaving this wonderful career where you're in this great spot. Your cut, your team had grown huge over the years, actually. Things had changed and uh, you had changed. And all of a sudden you made this big corporate leap out of the big world of business and uh, surprised me with that. <laughs> and uh, so tell us a little bit about that. It just got to the point where it was just time. I, I think many people go through that where it you just realize all the things coming together tells you it's just time. And it had been 27 years through all the mergers and senior leadership changes and everything. And our wonderful little joint venture, it grew. Of course, that's what you want. It was successful, highly successful. And the the teams more, you know, our people more than doubled. And when you get that big and you have so many more layers in the organization, you have to change and you have to start switching to more of a, a structure clarity type environment and culture. And I was at a point where I basically had to tear down the team that I had built and start all over again. And I just, I wasn't in the place where I wanted to do that. And when you experience that nirvana where everything is just in flow and it changes and you're forced to do it a different way that doesn't feel natural anymore, not that it was wrong, it just wasn't natural for me, that's when it was time to go. Yeah, this goes to fit, which I think is so essential. Uh, the, the, the organization grew and changed. And we see this happen a lot in startups as well, um, that as they turn into a growth stage company, you know, startup people can really still enjoy that. And then, but once it gets beyond the IPO, becomes a big corporation, the, the tilt changes, the, the pattern of, and it should change, right? You need more process, you need more rules, you need more, you know, planning and you still wanted autonomy and freedom and all of those good things. And, and it, the organization um, changed a lot. So that makes perfect sense. So what are you doing now? I am doing three things, actually. One, I am working with a local survey app startup. So I'm back in that world where it's small group and just wearing a bunch of hats, doing things I haven't done before, thinking about things in ways I hadn't before. And it's, it's, exciting and, and different to do that. And then second, I'm helping take care of my mom. And then third, uh, I, I started moving towards coaching. It's something I enjoy. And I used to think I did it. I used to think, oh, I'm coaching my team, but I was not coaching my team. I was giving them advice or I was saying, here's what I do, or have you tried this? And that's not coaching. Coaching so different. And I didn't understand it until probably the last year, how different it really is and, and, and how it can impact someone. Yeah. So um, will you explain a little bit, what is it leading and then what is coaching and how are they different in your mind? Coaching is really help is really being a thinking partner for someone. So a lot of us have answers in our head and, you know, you can give me advice and say, oh, you know what you should do? And I go, yeah, yeah. And then I'm not going to do it because that's not me or that's not how I would do it. But the coaching really helps someone 
think through by asking questions that gets to something deeper than you're able to when that pinball machine is running around, you know, and that's a piece that I valued when you worked with me um, several years back and, you know, even different times in between where you helped me realize things that maybe I kind of knew, but I couldn't put, put the name around it or, or figure it out and bringing it to the surface through the coaching. I mean, really changed my life. And I, I told some people, I'm like, I have like five people who've changed my life. I, one's my chiropractor, you know, and one is you just in the way that you helped me realize some things and the direction I was heading mentally that changed course and really changed everything, changed the whole direction of my career. Well, I'm totally honored to be in that group and <laughs> I didn't know I was in it. So that's really all, all inspiring. So thank you for that. You, you have to be one of my top favorite clients all time as well. So, you know, you have those, right? No matter what you do. Absolutely. Well, okay. So I, I know recently uh, you are launching your coaching practice. You recently took a course with us called the Tilt Laser Masterclass. So I'm since we just launched the first cohort of the, the laser um, masterclass this spring, I'm curious how you felt the experience was. It was fantastic. I don't know what my expectations were, but whatever I had, it, it was completely different and far exceeded anything I could have imagined. The group, the cohort that we had, ah, oh, love them. I kept thinking about, gosh, I wish I'd have had this when I was going through leadership positions in, in my old career because I wouldn't have been advising all the time and saying, have you tried this? And why don't you go do that? I would have worked in coaching in the right times and the right places to get people to bubble up what they were already thinking or feeling. They just, just couldn't put their hands around it. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And I felt that when I left, you know, being a senior leader at Hilton and be, you know, learning to be a coach, you really learn how to listen. And you really learn that you don't know nearly what you need to know about the other person's life or perspective. And that the best thing you can do is just kind of bounce ideas with them and help, you know, ask kind of provocative questions that make them uh, stretch themselves. It's not about us telling people how to live their life because they might not, it might not work for them. Like you said. Our thoughts are that laser coaching would be for internal people in organizations more so than other coaching programs. Uh, that's our hope anyway, so that we can help those leaders learn it now, not later in mm -hmm. their second career. We're planning to take it directly into leaders and companies eventually. And I, I'm sure you'll be part of that and helping us do that. But that's good to hear. All right. So I, I, you know, with any great leader, and of course I've been a student of leadership all my life and I love great leaders and it's fun to watch them in, in, uh, in motion. I'll never forget you had a spreadsheet that you created with everybody's tilt on it like that. You know, none of my clients had ever done that before. It was really neat. I think you had like a hundred people on there or something. And, and I, I put the tilt wheel and then I would put the names over in each corner and then I would color code, like, here's where the finance team is. They're, you know, green and the marketing is blue and, and you could just see it. And I would watch people 
in the floor. Cause you know, we ended up taking the whole commercial team, you know, 70 plus people through tilt because we were getting people going, what are y'all doing over there? Why you guys get along really well. I mean, you're busy and you're knocking some stuff out, but you just, you're happy. What's happening. <laughs> and we would talk about tilt and our relationship and just how being going through tilt allowed us to have a bit of psychological safety too. You could show up as yourself and not feel like you were going to be shunned or punished for being who you are or being how your how your brain works naturally. So we took the whole commercial organization through it. And I would watch some of them before they went to meetings. They would walk up to the chart that was taped up on the wall. And I would see them find the person <laughs> and start thinking about, okay, I'm going in to meet with a clarity who's going to want some details. So I better have my stuff together. <laughs> and that was cool to watch. I'm delighted to hear that because from a scientific standpoint, we know that there are strong correlations between character strengths and character traits and an experience of being happy. A lot of companies don't really care about measuring happiness. They're beginning to that. So we're seeing more of it. We're happy about that. Um, and also choosing to operate with other people without bringing all the past drama into it and giving them a chance to be someone new today that they haven't been in the, in the past. And that, that kind of makes us all feel free to leave our mistakes behind. So it's really just giving grace and being civil and, you know, some of these very simple concepts that, that are kind of timeless. So I'm happy to hear happiness come up for that very reason. We, we are continuing to do science on that. And, and there's also correlations with happiness to performance. You, your team certainly outperformed so many other teams. So I'm not surprised that other people it spread, you know, and other people notice that we, we, we always say, let us work with your key influencer teams and they'll shine so much that they'll build a culture where people love to work and everybody will want to come work there or they'll find out what you're doing. Also something I wish was measured more and that's psychological safety. And you, you talk a bit about that in the tilt presence and maybe, maybe the, the influence, but I think that is one that has to have a correlation with happiness and risk-taking and everything. Yeah, absolutely. This is kind of a new term. 30 years ago, you know, when I started this, I was thinking about the contrast between two sets of behavior that I used to notice in my team. Either they were fully engaged in their work and enjoying it, no matter if they were sweeping floors or analyzing a P&L statement or whatever they were doing, they're fully engaged in and flow, or they'd get triggered. And when you get triggered, all of a sudden your ego kicks in and fear kicks in. And now you're caught up in a whole different set of behaviors. And what I noticed is that those behaviors kind of trump the, the work, you know, like you can't get back into work unless you resolve the ego drama. And I thought to myself in observing those two things, that's why I started studying what I started studying. And the, the ego part, I wanted to minimize you know, how can I reduce that? And if you reduce that, you're basically building a culture where people enjoy working and because you don't allow it. I remember having rules like no blaming here, you know, no gossiping here, you know, no, you, you, you honor the person that's not in the room. You know, you don't talk about the person if they're not in the room, um, things like that, that would build trust and integrity in relationships. And that kind of goes to the, you know, you can trust people quicker when you know that the culture is enforcing things like that. Um, but 
you know, you don't, uh, um, you don't build psychological safety unless you make, from a leadership standpoint, a commitment to it. And so when this term came up, I think it was Google. I read an article on Google studying how teams, the best teams had psychological safety. So that was the first time I had encountered that term. I'd certainly heard about civility, which is kind of the industrial organizational psychology term for it. But so I didn't call it that, but that is what it is. And that is what Tilt does is help build a culture with psychological safety. So you're not operating from fear. So I, it, I, we're coming to a close here. And um, anytime I'm talking with a great leader, I want you to offer some kind of wisdom to future leaders that are on the rise. And we're seeing so many people my age retire now uh, because of the, the stressful year that we just went through. So what's your advice? I would have to say, first and foremost, self-awareness. In 30 years, I haven't found anything more helpful with understanding self-awareness than, than tilt. Uh, coaching definitely helps with, with this whole process. Seeking and being open to feedback and not seeing it, not letting that trigger you, you know, not seeing that as there's something wrong with you and it needs to be fixed, but, oh, someone's trying to help me be better and be more successful. And then definitely learning those triggers. What what is happening instead of this person makes me so mad and I can't work with this person, a little bit of inside understanding of what fear are they tapping into that is really upsetting me here. When you start doing that, you have much more compassion for other people and you're more focused on, okay, this is my problem. Those are, are things that I think can help you get those things out of the way so you could focus on your career and the skill building and, you know, successful longevity. Well, you're, you're going to be a fantastic coach. I can already tell. Like you put the combination of all the business experience that you've had and uh, life experience and then all these great skills that you've been investing in. And I think you're going to be one of the top coaches out there. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for being a raving fan. Well, thank you. Thanks for being one of those five people who've changed my life. <laughs> If you're interested in being coached by Fran, send an email to fran at tilt365.com or reach out to her on LinkedIn. And if you're interested in discovering your tilt and unlocking your unique strengths, visit tilt365.com to take the True Tilt personality profile assessment. The first 50 listeners to enter the code podcast at checkout will receive the assessment free of charge. We'll talk with you next time on What's Your Tilt?